You remember a few weeks ago I told you as I was standing here in the pulpit that I, I could see in my mind's eye and my spirit a flame of fire as it was just dancing upon the heads of various individuals in the congregation. And the more that it danced upon those individuals, the more it spread among the rest of the church. I believe that we're seeing a manifestation of God's Holy Spirit in these last days and in our church, amen, as we are faithful to him. Praise the Lord. He's done so many wonderful, wonderful things. Amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're visiting with us today, you may be doubting your choice today in churches. So this is a strange place to be. We love Jesus, number one, first of all. And number two, we are fully Pentecostal. Amen. Now, you may not know what that means, but in your study of Scripture, you will discover that there are times within the body of Christ when God wants to speak supernaturally to his people. And there are those who have the gift of tongues, it's called, and they are able to speak forth that message under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then there is an interpreter in the house who is able to interpret those. We don't think it's weird at all because Scripture talks about it, tells us that those kinds of things will manifest among us as we are searching after Him and His wisdom. So, you know, if, if you're here today and you don't quite know what to do with it, just stick that one in your back pocket and say, praise the Lord, I've never seen that before. But I kind of like going to a church where I can feel the presence of the God that I, that I say that I want to serve. Amen. I read an article the other day that said that there are people who post-pandemic are looking for churches, but they're not looking for churches to go to that are dead and dried up. They're looking for charismatic churches that have the full array of the gifts of the Spirit in operation because if they're going to take the time to attend church and be part of a church, they want to be a part of one that experiences the fullness of God. I say amen to that, don't you? I want all that God has for me. I don't want any more than he has for me. I don't know if I could handle it. But I do want everything that God has in store for me. I really do. I'm so glad to see you in the Lord's house today. I know that we've got people from various parts of the, uh, the country that are visiting with us today because of the holiday. We welcome you, and we're so thankful that you're here with family and, and enjoying the weekend, and I'm, I'm thankful for your presence today. And I'm thankful for our regulars, amen, who are coming and worshiping and being a part of what God is doing here. So this morning, I wanted to get the announcements out of the way in the beginning so that I could turn my attention to the Word of God. And so I want you to just take your Bibles or your devices and keep them handy because I'm going to use uh, a variety of scriptures this morning uh, rather than just focus on one. And so I want you to be able to go. It'll also be on the screens as well. But John and I are going to begin a brand new series of sermons over the next six weeks. We have picked out several individuals in Scripture that turned out to be unexpected heroes. In other words, they're just ordinary people like you and I. 
But God saw something in them that he could use. And he placed his spirit in them and his anointing upon them. And they were able to function in the role of the spirit, even though some of them are in the Old Testament before the coming of the Holy Spirit, they were still able to operate in the spirit of God. And they were able to fulfill what God had called them to fulfill. Now today we're going to begin this series by talking about a man by the name of Enoch. Now Enoch is best known for not dying. He just walked into heaven one day and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But there's more to Enoch than just that fact. And so today I want to talk to you for a little bit about this man named Enoch. And we're going to talk about what he did in, his, in the course of his life to make a difference in the world that he was a part of. So let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to open the, the eyes of our heart and that we might be able to receive the Word of God today as He intends for us to receive it. Amen? Father, thank you for this lovely group of people that is gathered here in your house today to worship and to honor you. I thank you for your Word. Your Word goes forth, and according to what you've told us, when your Word goes forth, it never returns to you void, but it always accomplishes everything that you intend for it to accomplish. And so today, Lord, we expect that we're going to be changed by your word. We'll not be able to leave this house today the same as we were when we came. And Lord, I thank you because you are growing us and maturing us and helping us to become more like you every day that we live. Now, Lord, I pray you'll anoint me that my words will be effective. And I pray for this congregation that as they listen and as they hear, they will be able to receive them into their heart and into their hearing. And faith will be the result of the hearing of the Word of God. And as they hear it, they will commit to do it because the blessing is in the doing. We know that, Father. And we give you praise in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. How about you? I'm ready. So Enoch is one of those names that you don't hear very frequently. It's a little different. But Enoch is rightly regarded as a hero for standing strong for a long period of time. Have you ever known anybody that it just seemed like that they had to stand strong for a long time? been times in my life when the miracles of God and the work of God in my life happened just like that. And then there have been other times in my life that I had to make up my mind that there was no quit in me, that I was not going to give up, that I was going to stand strong even if it took a period of time before the answer came. Well, that really is what we see in the life of Enoch. So today I want to talk to you about some characteristics that we see in this man's life named Enoch. The first thing I want you to notice is that Enoch was a man with a nature like ours. Would you not agree that sometimes we look at people in Scripture and it almost feels like at times that they're superheroes? I mean, they're like Batman or Superman or Catwoman or whatever. You know, and it just feels like, well, sure, they could do it. But you know, they were in the Bible. But what I want you to see is that everyone 
that God has ever used and moved in their lives has been an ordinary individual just like you and me. Nothing special about them at all other than the fact that God chose them and filled them with his spirit and used them for his glory. And so the good news is today that God can use you and God can use you. If he can use Enoch, he can use all of us. He was a man with a nature like ours. Enoch was born 622 years after the creation. He was born into the seventh generation of Adam. He had a son named Methuselah, and Methuselah lived longer than anyone has ever lived on the face of the earth. He lived for 969 years. Now, let me tell you, there are days that I recognize that it would take a holy God to help me to live 969 years. But Methuselah, the son of Enoch, lived 969 years. His great-grandson, Noah, built the ark and completed the project when he was 600 years old. Sometimes I can't even hardly mow my grass without taking a break. Can you say amen to that? And he worked on this ark for 600 years. He was 600 years old when he completed it. Enoch's world looked very different from ours in some ways, but much the same in other ways because his world was characterized by corruption and moral decay and open rebellion against God. Sounds a little bit like our world today, doesn't it? Now, we battle corruption for <clears throat> 70 to 80 years, which is basically what people live. There's some that don't live that long. Some live longer than that. But basically, on average, we put up with this crazy, sin-sick world for about 70 to 80 years. And God helps us to be able to do that. But can you imagine for a moment having to put up with some of the junk you put up with for hundreds of years. I'm telling you, it would take a special act of grace on my part. It would take a special, extraordinary act of grace for Donna to be able to put up with me for that many years. But we do have to put up with stuff for long periods of time. Enoch fought against these same temptations, the same fears, the same weaknesses that have plagued all of us since the fall of Adam and Eve. So he was a man with like nature, just like us. The second thing that I want you to notice about Enoch is that he was a man who walked with God. Enoch's dad was a, name, was a man named Jared. And Genesis chapter 5 and verse 18 tells us that Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. How many of you dads want to be that old and have another kid? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All things are possible to those who believe. But in those days, that was a young man. 
Then Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24 tells us this. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, then he was not there because God took him. Isn't that interesting? So here we have it. In fewer than 50 words in the Old Testament, the entire history of the life of Enoch is given to us in less than 50 years. But the one thing that we need to take note of is that twice in just four verses of Scripture, the writer says that Enoch walked with God. Now that's what we need to discover from this man is what does it mean to walk with God? Well, if you look at this statement, Enoch walked with God, what it really means is that Enoch walked with him in such a way that it pleased God. I want to please God, don't you? I'm telling you, my my spirit has been lifted this morning. When the Spirit of the Lord speaks to us and says, I'm smiling at you, I'm proud of you, Man, you are doing good. Hang in there. Keep going. Keep in mind that your worship and your praise is making me smile and causing me to be proud of you. Aren't you glad that God is not some God sitting up into the heavenlies, shooting out lightning bolts, trying to get us and kill us and destroy us? That's not what he's doing. The Bible says that's what the devil does. He's out to kill you and steal from you and to destroy from you. But the Lord said, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I'm thankful for that today, aren't you? Amen. He loves us, and it means that Enoch pleased God. Now, can you imagine what this means is that that God was pleased with Enoch in every way. God was not picking Enoch apart. He was not saying, well, you really messed up that, Enoch. You really could have done that differently. You could have said that differently. You could have gone to a different place than that. You could have, you could have, you could have. You know, I've discovered in over 40 years of pastoring that there are a lot of people in the church that deal with low self-esteem. And a lot of the time that has to do with parents who could not find a way to encourage and edify their children. Listen, I understand that as a parent, it's our job to discipline them, to teach them the things of Scripture and the way of life. But one of the most important things that we can do for our children is to cheer them on and let them know that they can do it, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That should be what our children know when they face challenges or when they have dreams about their future. You should be saying to them, that's right, you go girl, you go boy, you can do it in Jesus' name. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. I'm telling you, God is on our side. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch 
was translated so that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, notice the scripture doesn't say that he had a testimony. It said he had this testimony. It is specific in nature in that his testimony was that he pleased God. I don't know, but I want to live my life in such a way that every day that God is cheering me on saying, good job, you're doing exactly what I would do. You're doing exactly the way that I would want to. And you say, well, but pastor, there again, they're supermen. They're super people in scripture. No, they're common, ordinary men and women just like you and me. But I'm telling you when the word of God gets in you and the spirit of God there is there to energize you, I'm telling you, you can please God in everything that you say and everything that you do. Aren't you glad for that today? Amen. So this walk has some characteristics to it. The first one is that the walk started with forgiveness. Now, God is not going to walk with people that is not, that is not joined with him. He, he offers forgiveness to us. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together without agreeing to meet? And then in the New Testament, it says it like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, Don't become partners with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Now, let me just tell you, and I'm not trying to beat a drum here, other than to let you know that there are times in our lives that we need to step away from those who are not living in faith, that are not living according to Scripture. Oh, I know they might be able to say all the right words, and they might be able to speak all the religious terminology and things of that nature. But listen, if they're not following the Word of God and walking in fellowship with the Spirit of God, they can do nothing but draw us down. Now, that doesn't mean that we just today make up a decision that I'm not going to hang with them anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. But what I'm saying is, is that we need to analyze the people that are in our lives and see whether or not they're building us up or tearing us down. Because if they're tearing us down, it's going to be hard to walk in unity with them. Now, don't quit somebody just because you feel like it. The only time you should quit somebody is when it is verified by the Word of God. So I don't want any of you going home and cutting your spouse loose today and saying, I've had all of you that I want, I'm done, because that would violate Scripture. Don't go home and tell your kids that you're done with them. You, you know, if they don't pick up the toilet paper in the bathroom anymore, then you can get out and live in the barn. No, that, that would violate Scripture. But you know what I'm talking about. We must be careful when we spend the majority of our walking time with people that are not building us and encouraging us. Enoch was in a situation where he was walking with God. So that meant that God and Enoch were together 
in covenant. So it started in forgiveness. And then secondly, the walk continued in faith. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Give me a little monitor, if you will, Bill. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now notice, in context, verse 6, it says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, we, we know how to say that scripture. We know how we've got it memorized. We know how to quote it just like that. But we've got to understand it in the context. And the context is that Enoch is walking with God. And God is saying about him that he is walking with me by faith. Listen, I'm going to tell you something that you, you don't know. But I'm going, to, I'm going to open your eyes to this today. You cannot see God. Did you know that? How many of you saw him this morning when you woke up? Did you see his body? Did you see his hair? Did you see what he was wearing? He said, well, I know I can't see God, but... I see Jesus. I doubt it. You might see him on TV. You might see bad pictures of him. But you cannot see Jesus. You don't even see the Spirit of God. So how do we know that they exist? They exist because we believe that they are and that they exist. You see, there are two components that we have to understand. And the first, according to the scripture, is that we must believe he who comes to God must believe that he is. I've said this for years. I can lead you to a point where I can tell you all about the Lord. I can tell you all about Jesus. I can tell you everything that scripture has to say about him. I cannot force you to believe in him. Because you must choose to believe him. You must choose by faith to believe that he is who he says he is. And that he is able to do what he says he can do. And that's the second factor. That he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Diligently seek him. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. And then in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens through Christ. Say, every spiritual blessing. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Not 75% of them, not 60% of them, not 40% of them, not 80% of them. But the Bible says he has blessed us with every blessing from the heavenlies, every spiritual blessing that is available. It is available to you. It is available to me. You say, I don't deserve it. I don't know if I could have it. I'm telling you, you need to stop thinking like that and start saying that if God has said that it's 
it's available to me, then I can have it, take it, and receive it in his name. Amen. We're, we are far more blessed sometimes than what we give ourselves credit for. But I want you to know we are blessed and we are highly favored by the hand of God upon our lives. John chapter 6 Verse 37 says, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast away. You say, well, what if I decide to come to Jesus today and he rejects me? It's never going to happen. It will never, in no wise will he cast you out. If you come to Jesus Christ, I know there may be some in the house today that you've thought about becoming a Christian. You're thinking about it even today as you're listening to me speak. But you're a little concerned that maybe he won't accept you because of who you are and where you came from and your family lineage and your background and the sins that you've done. Let me tell you, he's not worried about your sins. Uh, He's seen every sin that could ever be committed and he is able to forgive every last one of them. And if you will come to Jesus today, he will not cast you away. Amen. Aren't you so glad that Jesus receives you today? I'm so thankful that he would take this little southern Illinois boy and somehow decide that he loved me enough that he could give his life for me and call me close into fellowship with him. Amen. He's not just my Savior. He's not just my Lord, but he's my friend. Amen. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Aren't you glad about that today? And then the walk results in righteous fruit. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make now. I know a lot of people in my life that says I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I believe. But the fruit of their life bears out a different story because if you watch their life and it's not that we're judgmental it's not that we're trying to judge people but when someone's fruit does not bear witness to what the word of God says then you can almost pretty well tell that that person is a Christian only in word but they're not in reality a child of God Listen, the Bible says that when we get to heaven, he is going to separate the tares from the wheat. But he allows the tares, which is the weed, and the wheat to live together in the same field. And he says, don't worry about going around and trying to separate the weeds from the fruit. I'm going to take care of that. And one of these days he will. The only responsibility that I have is not to try to separate who is and who isn't, but to be fruitful myself and to be one who lives a life that bears fruit before God. Did you know that we can do that? Amen. I want you to notice these three words in the King James Version. It says, those who diligently seek him. He will reward those who diligently seek seek him. So that means it represents a lifelong desire to grow deeper in relationship with him. It implies being purposeful and focused. It is intentional and a passionate pursuit. In other words, seeking the Lord doesn't happen accidentally. 
My wife and I, sometimes when we go out to eat, I started to say we sometimes go out to eat. It'd be more appropriate to say we sometimes eat at home because we eat out a lot, and that's okay with me. But sometimes we get in the car, and it's like, what are we going to eat? And then it's like, I don't know. I haven't heard from God yet. Let's pray about it. Let's join hands. Let's pray about it. Let me tell you something. If I've made it to the car, and I don't yet know what I want to eat, there's something seriously wrong with me. I know what I want before I get in the car. Uh, Yesterday, we were on our way home from a birthday party. Henry turned three. We went out to celebrate with him, and I, I was hungry. She was hungry. I said, what would you like to eat? She said, I'd already made up my mind what I wanted, but I thought I'd be generous and ask her. She said, I want sub- Subway. And Im- immediately when she said Subway, my spirit was grieved. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I don't want Subway. It's hard to eat in the car, and I, need, I want to drive and eat and all that kind of stuff. And there'll be lettuce all over my pants and green peppers in the floor. Then we'll have to go wash the car and all that kind of stuff, and then the bread and all that. And it's like, I, I just didn't want it, but it was like, we're just driving, and as we're getting closer to Subway, I'm saying, Spirit, God, move on her. <laughs> and she said, you know, she said, don't go to Subway. She said, I, I'm feeling a little nauseated. I'm not really hungry anyway. And I said, well, I, I, I think if you don't mind, I, I, I think I'm going to drive through Taco Bell <laughs> and, and get me a burrito. I said, would you like anything from there? And she said, I don't think so. When we drive up to the menu, she said, what else they got besides burritos? And she's looking and, and, you know, and all that. And then finally she decides, no, I don't feel like eating. I'm not going to eat anything. And I thought, praise God. That's a wonderful opportunity for me to have a burrito. And those little round balls that have the, what are they called? I don't know what they are. But, but son and, and daughter of God, let me tell you, they're good. And they're only about that bit ba- ba- big around, and you can get two of them. I shouted the rest of the way home. But here's the point I'm trying to make. When I get in the car to go get something to eat, I have a purpose in mind, and I'm intentional. I know what I want before I ever get in the car. Now, some of you may not be like that. That's okay, but don't judge me. Just because I know what I want doesn't doesn't mean that I'm better than you, but it doesn't mean I'm worse than you either. But what I'm saying is, is that if there's something that we want or we need in our life, the Scripture says that if we believe that we can diligently seek Him, then He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what I'm telling you is, is that Enoch was a man that walked with God and pleased God and had faith in God. And when he was 365 days old or years old, he simply walked into heaven one day because God rewarded his faithfulness. Let me just tell you to hold on. Don't give up. Because if you'll be faithful, God will reward you. 
It may not come today. It may not come tomorrow. God never promised that. But God will give you what you need and what you ask for and seek. He will open the doors and windows that need to be opened. And he will close the doors and the windows that need to be closed. He is directing your path. And he will make sure that you get into the presence of the blessing that he has reserved with your name on it. Amen. Aren't you happy about that? Leviticus chapter 26 verses 3 and then 12 says, If you will follow my statutes and faithfully observe my commands, then verse 12 says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Israelites is who he's specifically talking to, but it is also applicable to us. And here's what I'm telling you today is that you can't live any old way that you want to live and then invite Jesus to come along. It doesn't work that way. Well, Jesus, I'm going to go to work today, but I can already tell you, I'm going to get mad at Susie Q in the cubicle four, four rows down. I'm going to get upset with my boss. I'm not going to give him a good day's work. I'm just going to have a bad attitude and foul. I'm going to spend most of the day in the bathroom so that nobody knows that I'm there. I'm going to, I'm going to park my car in the boss's spot just to make sure that he knows uh, that I can do it. And, Lord, I just want you to come right along with me. I'm going to have a fun day today. I'm going to make as many people mad as I possibly can. Listen, God's not going to go with you on a journey like that. God is not going to hang out in your nonsense. God's not going to hang out and put his blessings upon what you're doing in your flesh. But if instead you'll get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to clean my face. I'm going to, I'm going to wash my hair and comb it. I'm going to put some clothes on so I'll look decent. And then, Lord, I'm going to let you direct my path today. Wherever you want to take me, be okay with me. Yes, I need to go to work. But, Lord, if I go to work, I'm going to represent you well there. I'm going to talk about Jesus every opportunity that I get. I'm going to tell them about that time that you delivered me from the hand of the enemy. I'm going to tell them about that time that you healed my body and raised me up. I'm going to tell them about that time when I thought surely I was going to die in that car accident, but somehow you sent angels uh, to stop that car from hitting my car and gave me life. I'm going to live this day like it's the last day of my life, and I'm going to go out in a blaze uh, of holy glory. Amen. For the glory of your name. Now, God will walk with you in the midst of that. I mean, but if you just... I told my wife yesterday, as I'll be so glad when COVID's over, not because of COVID, because I'm so sick and tired of hearing everybody's opinion about what it did and didn't do and what we have to do and can't do and all that kind of stuff, all these scientists talking about something that they don't even have a clue about. Now listen, I don't have a clue either. I'm not a scientist. I'm just one of those nasty old preachers. Preaches the Word of God. I don't know. But I will be so glad when the world can get back to just lifting up Jesus.
I'll be so glad when the politicians stop fussing and fighting with each other, and they've always done it. This is not new. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Politics is of the devil. Amen. I mean, we got to have it, but it is not a good representation of God and his kingdom upon the face of this earth. God didn't call me to straighten out all the politicians. and God didn't call me to straighten out all the scientists. and God didn't call me to take care of all those things. Uh, what God did call me is to lift up the name of Jesus so the world can see him high and lifted up. Amen. Then thirdly, Enoch was a man who preached the truth. Now, if you go into the New Testament in Jude chapter 1, there really is only one chapter in Jude, but verses 14 and 15. Now, this afternoon, read the verses prior to 14 and 15. It's a description of the world that Enoch lived in. It looks a lot like the world we live in today, as I've already said. But notice what verses 14 and 15 says about Enoch. It says, it was about these that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied. And he said, look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have said against him. So here's this man Enoch. He's preaching and he's prophesying years before the flood even takes place. And he's saying, you better watch yourself. Because the God that I know and the God that I walk with has told me to prophesy that he's coming to execute judgment. And he's not coming by himself, but when he comes, he's coming with tens of thousands of heavenly beings and he is going to execute judgment upon all the ungodly. And four times he talks about the ungodly the ungodly things that they have done in ungodly ways. And then he reiterates the fact that they're ungodly. So let me remind you today, you don't have to fix the ungodly people of this earth. He is capable of doing that. We've kind of taken on the mental mantle because we're the church that we're going to judge everybody. And we're going to take care of everybody. And we're going to spread judgment all over the place. Listen. The only thing that we're called to do is love the world, to love the people in the world. It's not our judge to heap condemnation upon them and to put something on them that not even God puts upon the people of God. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and walk not after the flesh, but walk in the Spirit of God. Now, here's the key. We can't judge people and condemn people for doing things that they don't even know that they're doing wrong. They don't have the Word of God in them. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. So when we walk up in our holy selves 
and say, oh, I'll tell you what, one of these days God is going to split this earth wide open. You're going to be one of the first ones to split hell wide open. They don't care what you say. They don't, then, you, then we like to do this. I'm only telling you this because I love you. If you love them, get out of their face. Give them some space. Go to your closet and pray for them and call their name and say, Lord, I want you to, I want you to convict my friend of their sin. I want you to convict my family of their sin. And I want you to help me to be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them in a loving way when they are ready to receive it. You see what I'm saying? And old Enoch said, I'm telling you, you better, you better smarten up. Because I'm telling you, God is coming, and he's going to judge the ungodly, and he's going to judge you for all the ungodly things that you've done, and he's going to punish the ungodly. But listen, he is not going to punish the righteous. Aren't you glad? Amen. He's going to bless us and reward us. There's one final thing I want to tell you about Enoch. Go ahead and come and help me quit if you will. Enoch was a man, as I've already said, who simply walked into heaven one day. He just walked in. Now, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. Now, we've already read Hebrews 11 and 5, but let me remind you again what it says. By faith, Enoch was taken away. And so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now here we have to understand what's being said here. The Hebrew for the words took away does not mean to take one's life. And you do know that God is the giver and the taker of life. You know that, right? You know that every one of us is appointed unto men wants to die. That's the norm. That's what normally happens. You do know that our days are numbered. And God knows the number of days that we have in our life. And he tells us, don't worry about it. Now, we should eat healthy. We should exercise. We should not sleep on train tracks and things like that. We should be smart. We should be wise. We should use caution. Remember, caution is not the enemy of faith. Never has been, never was. We should live wisely. But God already knows when we're going to die and how we're going to die. And he's making preparations now for us in light of that information. So the Hebrew words does not mean to take one's life. Rather, it is like the word rapture, which, by the way, is not in Scripture. But it 
it depicts what's going to happen one of these days for the church. Let me tell you something you already know. The dead in Christ, they're not going to be left behind. In fact, their soul is already in the presence of Jesus because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be, you got it. But their bodies are resting in cemeteries all over the land. They're not going to need that corruptible body anymore. But I'm telling you, one of these days, those bodies are going to get up out of the grave and what was corruptible is going to be made incorruptible by the hand of the Lord. (laughs) But before before the Lord comes, there's going to be this rapturing that takes place. When the rapture takes place, Jesus is not coming down to earth. That comes later. He's just going to step out on a cloud somewhere. When he steps out on the cloud, the Bible says God's going to blow the trumpet. It says the trump of God shall sound. And those who have died are going to resurrect first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds where we shall forever be with the Lord. Now let me tell you something. There's only two people who have ever lived who did not die. Enoch was one. Elijah was another one. You know the story. He had just anointed Elisha to be his successor. And as he's walking away, the Bible says that a chariot comes down out of the heavenlies and swoops down and picks Elijah up. He never dies. He never takes a final breath, but God just swoops down and picks him up and says, Hey, son, let's go home. And Elijah and Enoch are the only two living individuals who never tasted death. But it came to me this week. I never thought of this before. I know about the rapture of the church. I know what's going to happen. But when the rapture takes place, there's going to be a whole generation of Enoch's and Elijah's who will never taste death. Because if we are alive, when Jesus comes again and calls us and raptures the church away, listen, every last one of us are going to drop what we're doing, stop what we're go- where we're going, and immediately we're going to be lifted into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ where we shall forevermore be with him. So what do we learn about Enoch? We learn this. It's a very simple principle. If we'll walk with God, God will reward us and God will bring us into his presence and heaven will be ours. Let me tell you, it's a choice that we get to make. And I just want you to know that if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know that you can receive him today. It's not hard. So what? 
do I have to go in the back room and fill out cards or do I, you know, this one of those Pentecostal churches and people going to spit on me and throw me down on the ground and all that. No, we don't do that. In fact, if you don't want to, you don't even have to come up front. All you have to do is right where you are seated is simply say, I didn't fully understand what that man was talking about, but there's something inside of me that is drawing me to it. Something inside of me that's saying he is speaking truth. And my life hasn't been working out real well before. So I think that I need to take this step and believe that this man Jesus can help me and give me what I need. And I'm telling you, I promise you, not because I'm the one who created it, but because he said, I will not turn you away. I'd like everyone in the building to stand this morning. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just simply want to ask today, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Would you just slip your hand up right where you are and let me see who you are. Nobody else is looking, just me. Amen. Thank you, I see your hand. Amen. I'm not going to call you out. Because I, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world, and it's not necessary. But to the one who raised your hand today, I want you right where you stand to just pray a simple prayer with me right now that just goes something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe that you did what you said you would do when you died on a cross at Calvary. And I believe that by my asking you to forgive me of my sins this morning, that in this instant, in this moment, I can now declare with all confidence that my sins are forgiven, that I have been washed clean, and I am your child, and you are my Lord, and I thank you for receiving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me today, let me just tell you that as of this very moment, you are a child of God. You don't have to focus any longer on your past, sins of your life, or what happened in the past. All you have to focus on now is your future, the promises of God that are for you. And let me remind you that God is not against you. He's for you. And he wants you to be blessed. So can I just ask this congregation now to join me in the angels of heaven? Because the Bible says that when one comes to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, 
that the heaven, the angels of heaven rejoice and are glad. So can we just take a moment and rejoice and applaud the Lord for what he has done? Amen. I want to do two things before we leave that I feel especially directed of the Lord to do. The first is this. We, most of us, all have family members and friends that are unsaved. By that, I mean they're not walking with the Lord. They're, they're not making any pretense whatsoever. Let me tell you something. It's our responsibility to make sure that they know how loved that they are. Not only by us, but by their Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't know why, but in recent days and weeks, the Lord has put upon my heart, we need to see our families saved. Some of them know what it is to walk with the Lord, and they've just stopped. They've just quit. But I believe the Lord is getting ready to draw them back. I believe with all of my heart that what the enemy meant for death, the Lord means for life. And what the enemy meant for evil, God means it for good. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to start praying specifically today. Don't wait another day. I want you to start praying specifically, calling their names out into the atmosphere. That the Lord would draw them and convict them. Most of you know my testimony. I was raised in the church but I got away from the Lord. And I lived a nonsensical lifestyle for a period of time. My mother prayed. She shook the heavens. She called my name boldly before the throne of grace. I left home, quit high school, went to California thinking, if I can get as far away from this church and my mom and dad and God, I can have the party of a lifetime. But what I did not stop to realize is that God lives in California too. And when I got there, there were men and women of faith who took me under their wings, prayed for me and mentored me and led, led me back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want you to know that whoever your kid is and whatever they might be living out right now, I'm here to tell you that Jesus already knows uh, and he is directing their path and he will put the right people in their lives at the right moment. <laughs> they may not listen to you, but God, God will put somebody in their life that will catch their attention and they will listen and God can do a work in their lives. And let me just say to you, it's time for you now to turn it over to the Lord.
and just start trusting Him and believing Him because He will do what needs to be done. It will still be their choice. God will never violate the will of an individual, but He will put people in their lives and speak the right word at the right time. So be at peace. I want you to pull in that last breath of worry right now with me. Just pull it in. And when it comes out, release it. Release it with peace. Release it with peace. Now here's the other thing that the Lord laid upon my heart to do. And it won't take long, but I believe that the Lord is about to do an unbelievable supernatural work if you'll believe Him for it. I'm told that at the last count, we have about 35 people in our church who at one time or another have fought COVID. One passed away. We know where she is. She's having church with us in heaven, and G. Paul's having church with us right here. We don't have any question about where Joyce is. But it has come to my attention that of the 35 people who have fought this, that there are some in our church that are still suffering from holdover situations. That it's still lingering in their body. Now I was reminded of the blind man that Jesus laid his hand upon him and said, can you see? And he said, I can see but it's like the men are trees. I, it's not complete. Let me remind you, Jesus did not say, take two aspirin and call me in the morning and walk away. No, Jesus touched him again. And at the second touch of Jesus, he was miraculously healed and good to see clearly. So here's what I'm saying. I already know the Lord's touched you once. I know He has. Some of you need that complete healing to reside in your body. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand right here. And I just want you to come if that's you. If you've got, if you've got after effects from that or really anything else, I want you to know Jesus came to do the job right. And he'll do it for you. I want you to just come around this way, and all you got to do is walk by, and I'm going to anoint you with oil. So why, you're doing all that weird Pentecostal stuff today. Bible says if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil, and he will heal the sick. Are you ready? You ready to receive? Keep walking. Amen. In Jesus' name. Healing virtue in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Amen in Jesus. You ready? Amen in the name of Jesus. Amen.
bless his holy name. He heals us of our diseases. done something special in my life and it simply says this 
clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God for the voice of triumph. Give him praise in this house this morning. He is worthy. 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 Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. I love you. Take this experience with you as you walk out those doors today. God has been good to us, and he's worthy to be praised. Amen. God bless you. Wonderful, beautiful.